0: You're listening to Rabbi Arya Wubi, Director of Torch, the Torah Outreach Resource Center of Houston. This is the Jewish Inspiration Podcast. All right. Welcome back. Welcome back, everybody. It is so wonderful to be back here at the Jewish Inspiration Podcast to have our Musar Masterclass. Tonight's topic is, like every week, the most important topic. The most important topic. Why is it so important? We'll see throughout the evening. But the topic tonight is gaava, which means arrogance. And boy, do our sages have a thing to say about arrogance. The Torah has a lot to say about arrogance, in fact. So what is arrogance? So in one of the previous classes, we went through some of the definitions that people gave uh, uh, to arrogance you know, we went around the class and everyone gave their thoughts to what they thought arrogance was. So one said it means being feeling superior over others. One said it means closed-minded. It's my way is the only way. Lack of empathy, judgmental, more than others. Don't have to listen to others. Self-centered, it's all about me. Again, above above others, abrasive, people don't like them. Obnoxious one person said it was washington dc too much pride too rude everything is coming to them false sense of self-worth puffed up you see we're coming to some good good uh, terminologies here but let's see what our sages tell us about what arrogance is and then we'll be able to adapt that definition to every scenario, and realize how we can fix it. So, generally speaking, if you want to know the definition of something, look at its opposite. So what is the opposite of arrogance? Humility. So let's look at the verse that talks about humility, and the one that talks about arrogance, and we'll learn something so special. We say in Esha's Chayel, in the song that we sing every Shabbat around our Shabbos table, The Woman of Valor, it's chapter 31 of Proverbs. We say, False is grace, and beauty is fake, is not real. But, But a woman who is God-fearing, he, That is praiseworthy. So our sages break apart this verse. And what does this verse tell us? That for someone to go out and be arrogant about their beauty, that's false. That's a lie. Sheker erachin vehevel yofi. That's nonsense. Why? What did you do to earn that beauty? You did nothing to attain it. You got it as a gift. What did you do to have that personality? Nothing. God gave it to you as a gift. But our Talmud tells us, Isha Yiras Hashem Yitisalo, specifically Yirat Hashem, fear of God, that takes hard work. And therefore, someone who is God fearing, that is praiseworthy. Our sages learn from this that every acquisition that a person makes, meaning in their own character, they were able to, to develop themselves. They were able to refine themselves. They were able to work out of their comfort zone, out of their gifts of their natural inheritance that they got from the Almighty. Such a person, he that's praiseworthy. So, from here we can deduce the definition Something that was given to you as a gift you have no right to brag about. You have no right to feel proud about. But something which you work hard to attain, that's something you can be proud of. Even then, however, you can't be boastful. So if, let's say, someone is not such a talented athlete and they work really, really hard and they become a talented athlete, they still shouldn't be boastful about that. Because what's one thing we need to remember that goes on beyond our hard work? It's still just a gift. God gave you the ability to refine yourself. God gave you the ability to Elevate your talents, elevate your skills, elevate your capabilities. God gave you that talent. So therefore, if you think of someone who was given a gift, a trust baby, someone who was born into a very wealthy family, do they have the right to be boastful about how successful they are in their business, in their, no, why? What did you do for it? Nothing. You were born into it, but also someone who was born in complete poverty and was a self-made man. People like talking about this, self-made man or woman. They started their own job, their own business, their own company, and they're very successful. Even they, all of their talents, all of their abilities, all of their skills were given as a gift from the Almighty. And with one strike of a finger all of that talent could be gone. I think COVID taught us a thing or two about our vulnerabilities. But people think and people get comfortable with it. It's all me. This is, I did this. I built this with my own hands. Really? Who gave you those hands? Remind me. So the definition of arrogance means taking pride, For something you have no business taking pride for. Someone who runs around feeling all proud that they're so beautiful, or that they're so smart, or that they're such a great orator, or they're such a great thinker, or such a great writer, or such a great painter, can easily fall into the trap of arrogance. Because what did they do to really get it? To most, it's a gift from God. And even when you do get it, it obligates you more. In one of my favorite sources I bring frequently to our classes, the letter of the Ramban, Igeris Ramban, he says, as a warning to his son, how careful one needs to be and distance themselves from arrogance. And he says the following example, if you're so wise, wiser than everyone else, says you have no room to be proud because that just obligates you more. And if you're so wealthy, wealthier than everyone else, don't be proud because that obligates you more than everyone else. You see, the problem that people have is that people think that we're all on an equal playing level field. And it's not true. It's not an equal level because everyone has a different point A and a different point B. We all start off at a different start line and we all end at a different end line. And therefore, what one person needs to accomplish with their talents and abilities is very different than what someone else needs needs to accomplish with their talents and abilities. So if someone was given brains like an Einstein, he needs to produce a lot more than someone who wasn't given that talented brain. Why? Because why did God give you such a brain? So that you accomplish. So to just compare yourself with everyone else, that's futile. Why would you do that? Why would you pull yourself down to everybody else? You were given abilities that far supersede everyone else's. And that, our sages warn us, to never, ever resort to arrogance. Because arrogance means that you feel that you plateaued, so to speak. Like, I've reached my success. Look at me. It's all me. No, 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 no. You're losing focus that you're here on a mission and that you need to accomplish. In fact, our sages use very, very strong words. In chapter 16, verse 5, in Proverbs, it says, God is repulsed by those who are arrogant. It's repulsive to God. Why? It makes a lot of sense now. Imagine, imagine you have a, an enormous amount of wealth and you hire someone, a friend of yours, to be your, your treasurer and to give, out, to give out all of your charity for you and to, of course, they'll seek your counsel, what's important to you, what's, what are your values. You have to run your business, so I don't want you to be busy. I'll run your foundation for you. And then you find out they get interviewed on some show and they're talking about how much money they have and how much money they give. You know, I decide where I give my money to. And you're thinking, what, 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 what are, what are you talking about? That's you're giving my money. Now that's exactly what happens with us in the Almighty. The Almighty makes us as the custodians of his money and we're going to take pride of how we do and what we do and where we give to and show off like it's us. God made us the custodian. And that applies to every single area of life. You're a good parent. God made you a good parent. He made you the custodian for those children Our sages tell us, your children are not your children. They're a lease from the Almighty. They're the Almighty's children. He placed them by you because he felt that you would be the best parents for this child. Now go do your job. You don't know, by the way, if someone else was given a much harder case than you have. And you're going to compare? It's not apples to apples. Your challenge with your spouse, with your children, with your boss, is very different than someone else's. So what we need to realize, along with all of the other lessons we've learned, I'm sure this has become crystallized, we cannot compare ourselves to anyone else. Definitely not to feel elevated above anybody else because your talents and abilities are unique to you for your circumstances god gives you the tools you are going to need for your job it's very individualized and for you to compare well i get along with my husband all right i get along with my children all right i just got, i just have it, i got it together right you should get yourself together as well you shouldn't yell at your children You know, people sometimes have like a a feeling, a tinge towards this kind of arrogance. I've got things worked out. Maybe God gave us a little bit of an easier life by giving us easier children, by giving us a better spouse, by giving us a more suitable livelihood to go now and be arrogant is to be distant from God. Is to distance ourselves from God because what we're doing essentially is not realizing that it's all from Hashem. The minute we, we start becoming arrogant, we're not realizing the connection that we have with the Almighty and we keep distancing ourselves more and more. What is someone who's humble? Someone who's humble realizes I don't have a leg to stand on when it comes to bragging because everything is a gift from God. Who am I I to brag about? About anything. A person needs to realize that arrogance means I'm disconnecting from God. I'm not realizing that everything is from God. And therefore, we're stealing God's clothes. Or say, just say, Hashem Malach Geut Lavesh. God can wear the clothes of arrogance. We can't. And by us being arrogant, we're sort of taking Hashem's clothes, saying, it's all me? Look at me, it's all me. Is it all you? I'll tell you, it's the most remarkable thing. We are so vulnerable. We are so fragile as human beings. I paid a Shiva call tonight to a young man who's sitting Shiva for his mom who passed away. And his mom passed away right before Shabbat, like a minute before Shabbat. So he was away in a different city and Someone tried to reach him, couldn't reach him, so he called someone else who he knew would be in the same area. He says, Please call go tell that individual that his mom just passed away. Right before Shabbos, like as the end Shabbos was entering. So the individual goes to him and tells him. He sees him in, in, in wherever he was, and he says, I want you to know. Sit down. Your mom just passed away. He says, What are you talking about? I just spoke to my mom a few hours ago. Everything is perfect. Everything is perfect. She's perfectly healthy. I I don't know what you're talking about. He says, I'm very sorry to tell you this, but your mom passed away. She's no longer with us. You see, we think like, and, and how many times have we heard, oh, someone passed away. Look, what? I just spent time with them last week. I just spoke to them three days ago. Why are we in such shock? And why do we react like that? Because in our mind, things are just supposed to exist forever. We're just always there and we're always going to be there. And the friendships that we have are always going to be maintained and everything is going to last forever. And sadly, sometimes we get to that realization of how fragile we are. And with one little snap of the finger... God doesn't need to snap his finger. Power off. It's done. Why? Because Hashem decided at that moment, I want your soul back. I'm not going to be able to finish up that last project. You know what they say. You come in a mess, you leave in a mess. That's the way life is. But it's to remind us constantly That we don't have forever. Number one, go do things. Number two, we have no room to take pride for the gifts that Hashem has given us. Because at that moment where God decides, at the snap of a finger, power is out, no more, suddenly, where do all of our abilities go? all of our art that we were able to paint, and all of those songs we were able to sing, and all of those speeches we were able to give, suddenly they're gone. Oh, so was it our ability? Or maybe it was Hashem giving us that ability. Suddenly that realization, and we should never ever need to get into a situation where God takes away some of our abilities to learn. And I'm guilty of this. Because... I learned the importance of so many of my organs, like my left shoulder. I didn't realize how important it was. Like, I'm a righty, so like, what's the big deal? Everything's with my right hand anyway. I write with my right hand. Try to write on a piece of paper without holding it with your left. Try to cut a slice of bread without holding it with your left. It gives the support. It gives the balance. It gives the stability. You don't realize it. When Hashem injures it, sometimes it's a wake-up call. It's a big wake-up call. But we shouldn't need that either. We shouldn't be that arrogant that we need wake-up calls. Hashem Malach God is the only one who can wear the cloak of arrogance. That it's all me. Because he is. The be-all and end-all. He was, is, and will be. We're not. We're here for a little sliver of time. Do you know who didn't realize this? In 1912, the Titanic. What did they say? What was that ship called? The unsinkable. Even God can't sink the Titanic. How tragic. That's a lesson not only for the people of the Titanic. Shem should have mercy on them but on the world. Each and every one of us should look at that and say, wow, this was a massive ship. God can't sink this ship. Well, he sure did. Arrogance is mo- the most hated trait by the Almighty. What are you? What are you taking pride for something which is a gift? It's a gift that I gave you. So, we talked about how it's not a good thing to feel superior to others. Not a good thing. The reason it's not good is because it just obligates you more if you're more talented, not less. Don't end up equal. You have to supersede every expectation, be brighter. Okay, so do more with it. You may be a better writer. Do more with it. Don't just be average. So our sages tell us that arrogance is the source of most other negative traits. You know why you get angry? We spoke about anger two weeks ago. Why would anyone ever get angry? Well, guess what? If it affects my arrogance, if you don't respect my brilliance, right, how can you talk to me like that, right? You know, all oh, you so on and so forth. That's when we get angry. Someone who is arrogant also usually is pretty stubborn. They go along together. Because it's me. I'm the know-it-all. I've got it all. Something we need to be very, very careful about. Some of our sages even say that arrogance is rooted in low self esteem. Because you have a low self esteem, you need to compensate by being extra boastful about everything that you have and showing off and talk about for a second about showing off the responsibility that one needs to undertake before showing off in front of others. Sages tell us that you are responsible for everything a person does because of you, to the good and to the bad. So if you inspire someone to do something good, you inspire someone to give tzedakah, to give charity, you inspire someone to learn Torah, you inspire someone to repent, you inspire someone to do an act of kindness. You get the reward for it as well. You get a hundred percent reward. It's not like a pyramid scheme. Pyramid scheme is that it has a hundred dollars in it, and everyone's gonna get, you know, depending on how high you are, you get more or less. But there's only a hundred dollars in it. You see, we think about mitzvahs that there's just a hundred pennies of reward for every mitzvah. So the one doing the mitzvah is gonna get, okay, maybe I'll get ten percent reward. No, 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 no. You inspire someone to do a mitzvah. You get a hundred percent reward for that mitzvah. A hundred percent. They also get a hundred percent. There's no limit. That's why our, our sages teach us: kiner mitzvah, a candle. And a mitzvah, are the same thing. You see, if I have a candle and you have a candle, does it take away from your candle to light my candle? No. Now we both have a candle lit. So too, when you inspire someone to do a mitzvah. Both candles are lit, and you both get the full reward. But if you inspire someone, God forbid, to do a negative thing, to do a sin, to do an act that's not good, you too are going to have to pay for that, it's a punishment for that, that will be accountable for the sin that they did, that we inspired them to do. So now talking about being boastful, imagine if you make a fancy schmancy bat mitzvah for your daughter and you're poking out all the eyes of all your neighbors. Everyone's like, look at the Freedmans. Look at the cones. Look at the Steins. I have to do the same myself. But you can't afford it, Joe. You can't afford it. Well, I don't want to let my daughter down. And people could do dishonest business dealings people can steal, people can borrow money that they can't return. Why? For what? Because other people felt they needed to show off and created a standard that put pressure on other people and damages other people. And it's such a big challenge where people buy fancy cars not realizing, yes, you have to take into consideration your neighbors. My father, his whole life, I've said this before, he loved the Lincoln Town Car. He always wanted to buy a Lincoln Town Car. You know those long Lincoln Town Cars, remember those? Do you know how many times he owned one? Zero, never. He never bought one. You know why? Because what will the neighbor do when he sees that? He's going to say, oh, he got, he got the Town Car. I need to get the Cadillac. Or I need to get one. And they can't afford it. So I can afford it, so I'll buy myself the Bentley, and everyone's going to be jealous, and everyone's going to want to up their game. I'm, I don't want to take responsibility for someone doing something because of me that they're not going to be responsible with. So it says also, the Mishnah says, hakina jealousy, atava, which is urges, uncontrolled urges, and kavod, the desire for honor which in a sense could be arrogance. So, Someone is being arrogant because they want to show off and they want that honor. So some some of our sages interpret it as that to warn us about arrogance, that that's one of the three things, adam and olam, that remove you from this world. People do the craziest things for the sake of someone acknowledging them and giving them that honor. I mean, you think of the people who are ready to do all of these uh, crazy stunts, just for a round of applause, that could end their lives, and sometimes have ended their lives. For what? For a few claps. People are gonna say, "Wow, you're on for the next round." Yeah, uh, Guinness Book of World Records, and they're they're gonna, whatever they they're gonna jump off a building, and then they're gonna, you know, fly off a mountain, and whatever whatever crazy thing people might thing to do. So we have to be careful of that as well. And we're going to get to, we're to, get to jealousy. We're going to get to all of that. But when we talk about arrogance, it's not realizing the source of everything. Not realizing the source. Arrogance means I don't realize the source. If I realized that the source was the Almighty, what, what, what pride do I have to take for myself? That's the bottom line. Arrogance means I don't recognize my source. And that is a direct rebellion against Hashem. Not realizing our source is a direct rebellion against Hashem. It's, it's really, it's really a, a frightening frightening thing. So where does arrogance come from? What's the process of arrogance? So our sages teach us that man's nature is to live his essence. What does that mean? A baby who starts walking feels their own strength and ability. Starts when a baby starts walking. Suddenly, you know, I can walk. Not realizing that walking is a gift. Not realizing, just by the way, Abraham, our patriarch, was the first believer in the Almighty, the first one to know Hashem. Sages tell us that Abraham got a little bit of a head start. What was his head start? Well, King Nimrod, if you remember, was out for Abraham's head. He heard from his astrologers that a baby was going to be born, and he was going to reveal to the world that a God exists, and then Nimrod's going to be out of a job. Nimrod's going to be out of a job because now people are going to say, like, we went to Abraham's house and Abraham told us there was a God and we believe in that God. And, going to, and who's going to follow Nimrod, a king of flesh and blood? So he wanted to kill this little baby, Abraham. He heard that this baby was going to be born and he had his agents out to find whatever baby is going to be born during this period of time is going to be killed. So Abraham's mother hid in a cave, and Abraham was born in a cave, The they just tell us. Until the age of three, he didn't see sunlight. By that time, Nimrod gave up on it already. He says, apparently this baby never made it. And that's it. The decree was over. Abraham comes out and sees trees. He's like, whoa, 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 what's going on here? How does this tree grow? How do fruits grow from a tree? How do the plants, you put a seed in the ground and suddenly there's a tree? Unreal. Look at the orange. How beautiful, how perfect. The apple, the sunrise, the sunset. He looks at the world, he says it's impossible for there to be a palace without a king. If God created such a perfect world, there has to be a ruler behind it. It's the equivalent of someone going to far west Texas. We gave this example in the past. You go to far west Texas, you're driving for hundreds of miles, and there's like nothing there, nothing. So you decide, you know what, we're going to take a little break. You pull off the road, you go off-roading, with your fancy four-by-four four vehicle, and you go like a few miles off the road, and then suddenly you see a beautiful table set right on the side of the road. There are beautiful chairs there, like on the road. There's a bottle of wine, and there's fresh bread, and there's candles lit, and you're like, wow, this is amazing. Right? Is there anybody here who would think that that table just descended from the heavens and came out of no place and just had everything waiting for you what would you what would you deduce no 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 it has to be that someone was here and set this table put the chairs there put the tablecloth on put the plates put the food put the candles put the it have to be why because you don't just have tables set so perfectly, on their own, random. Oh, one second, one second. So let me get this straight. So a table cannot be set randomly by its own, but a world could come to existence on its own and have perfect creations and have everything that operates so perfectly. And that just evolved the Big Bang, last time you saw an explosion that things came out organized. Last I checked, from an explosion, it's a disaster. Things don't stay together. Things fall apart. My rabbi, I said this, I quoted this a few, a few times since coming back from Israel. He said, anybody who tells you you can't believe in God because you can't see him, Which is an argument that people make. Well, if I could see God, then, then I'll believe in him. He says, then you're not looking. God is everywhere. You can see God everywhere. Look at a human being. Look at yourself in the mirror. You see God. You see the creation that Hashem created in each and every one of us. God gave us a soul. So, what do you see me with? You see me? With what do you see me? With your eyes. You see, that's what we believe. We believe that you see with your eyes. Because we're convinced that when our eyes are closed, I can't see. Okay, so let me ask you a question. You know, there are some people who sleep with their eyes open. Do they see? No. One second. I thought their eyes see. So what are they missing? Say, just tell us what's missing when you're sleeping. Your nishama. A portion of your nishama is taken. And therefore, system's off. So your eyes is the tool. It's like, it's like saying, you know, you put a little camera here. Is this camera what sees? No, it's the whole machine. It's the whole everything that interprets what it sees, that's a little piece of plastic. The eyes is the vessel of the neshama, of the soul that allows us to see. Do you know how many different nerves you have to the eyes? Very easy, very easy. What's I in Hebrew? I in what letter is also iron? Iron. What's the numerical value for iron? 70. So, how many nerves do you have in your eyes? 70. 70 different nerves in your eyes. And there's no God. No <laughs> oh God. I, I thought about this one, right? All you need to do is look. Open your eyes, and you see the Almighty everywhere. Everything you see around. Look at the lightning, lightning and thundering that we saw today here in Houston. The rain. It's random. There's a creator. He puts everything where it belongs. I know this is a little bit off topic, but maybe on topic into us realizing Shem is the most powerful being ever, that ever was, ever will be. Has hakol yachol is capable of anything and everything. There's nothing that's out of God's reach. Is nothing that's out of God's purview of ability. God can do anything. Me, I'm limited, very limited. I, in fact, I'm only. I'm limited to only do the things that God allows me to do. If God gave me the ability to do it, then I can do it. If God didn't, I can't do anything. What we see here is that starting from a little baby, the little baby already starts feeling proud. Look at me, I can walk. Look at me. As the baby grows, so does his ability, his knowledge. Oh, one second, so we're going back to Abraham said Abraham leaves at three years old. You know, my little baby is five months old, five and a half months old now. And to her, it's normal to see that there's electricity. Because she sees the lights turning on, lights turning off. To her, it's like it's a normal thing. To my children, it's very normal that there's something called a cell phone. Very normal. They grew up with it. Even computers. Most of us did not grow up with a computer growing up. So when we did see with the advent, with the development of the technology of a computer and a handheld phone, so we were in great awe. Like, wow, that's amazing. I remember when we sent a fax machine, to a fax to Israel. It was like the most phenomenal. I can't believe it. They got the paper there. We wrote it here, and they got it there. And then that first text, do you remember when you sent that first text message? It's like, you got it? That's amazing. I remember the first, the instant message from AOL. It was like mind-boggling. Our children won't ever have that awe. They were born with it. It's the same thing. Avramavinu wasn't born with seeing the nature as it is. My children think food comes from a Walmart delivery or from an H-E-B delivery or you go to the grocery store and that's where the fruits come from. They don't understand that it grows from the ground and there's a process of its growth and someone has to plant it and someone has to nurture it and someone has to harvest it and package it and get it all the way till your doorstep so like what's the problem just order it not realizing the process of it avram avinu abraham our patriarch he already saw things with a mature perspective because he wasn't born into it Suddenly he starts asking questions. He's like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! How did that happen? How did that happen? How did this happen? How did that happen?" It's like everyone's like, "What do you mean? That's just the way it is." One second, whoa, whoa. nothing just happens. There's got to be, just like that table doesn't appear in West Texas, fully set. This world doesn't just operate. There's an operator. These are the keys we need to unlock and remove arrogance. When we realize that Hashem is the one who is in charge of everything, everything, suddenly we don't need to feel proud of everything like it's me, because it isn't. It's all Hashem. You're successful in writing a book? Guess what? We gave you that ability. Thank you, Hashem. And never taking the pride like it's me. So as this baby grows, so does his ability, his knowledge, his essence grows. So now he feels, he feels proud. His feeling grows till the person loses their perspective of their essence and self-worth. Then, He forgets and disregards his own dependence or help of others because like many children do, they suddenly don't realize what brought them to where they are and they disregard their parents. Ultimately, they feel that there's nothing else but me. It's all me. Sometimes you have children who feel that arrogance. It's a very terrible thing children yes they should feel proud when they work hard and they score a basket and they work hard and they get on the team and they work hard and it's it's very important and also failure is very important for children it's a good thing for children to fail every once in a while it's a good thing my son went to soccer my oldest son he went to soccer league and he was at in the finals very proud We go out there watching his game, and he lost. And I said, okay, sorry, you played well. You made it through. You were all the way at the last game of the season. We're so proud of you. so proud of you. So I'm going to have a Super Bowl, right? One team's going to win. One team's going to lose. And what happens to a losing team? They're going to have to go back to work and start all over again and say, you know what, we have to work harder next time to win. We're going to have to fight harder. We're going to have to practice more. So we're about to get in the car and the and the and the coach says, "No, no, 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 no. We have trophies for the kids who who lost. We don't want them to feel bad." I'm like, "Oh, I want them to feel bad. Because then they're never going to try harder next time to be victorious." A person needs to feel that pain, the idea is we have to maximize, we have to maximize ourselves, we have to bring ourselves to the greatest point of our, of, 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 of our ability, and that's, that's really what life is about, that's what life is about, life is about making every opportunity count to reach our perfection, The more one gets educated, the more confident they become, the more confident they are with their knowledge. They feel they know it all. They feel they have it all. And it's a very dangerous thing. So I think it's a very good question that you're asking. What does God think about the military? Right. So very, very, very good. So I'll tell you like this. The 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 military we have to realize is HaShem Yilachem Lachem VaAtem Tacharishun The Pasuk in the Torah tells us Not once, many times Don't let it get to your head HaShem fights the battles HaShem wins the wars Not the MIGs And not the F-15 fighter jets And the F-35 fighter jets And the B-2 bombers That's not what does it And just ask the Israeli Air Force and the Israeli military. What happened in nineteen sixty seven? All of the nations were after them. They came, they attacked, and Israel was under under uh well, not only under siege, they were under, you know They didn't have anything. They were ill prepared, they didn't have any military strength, unequipped, under equipped. They say that their planes were flying 24 hours a day. They would land, usually, you know, a pilot has his plane, and he would fly his plane, bomb, come back, he's tired, okay, they'll fill up gas, but he went, they had on shift. So they thought that they had, a, the enemy nations thought that the Israelis had more planes than they did. I don't know, They they were like numbered how many planes they got, and they got scraps from France and scraps from here. They made, either way, it was a miracle. It was a massive miracle. Where they they were under-equipped, they didn't have the ability to fend off the enemies. And what happened only six years later? They had the Yom Kippur War the big, strong, arrogant Israeli army had a crushing defeat. What happened? You guys won the most improbable war ever in the six-day war. Suddenly comes the Yom Kippur War and you fall apart. Perhaps you became arrogant. Perhaps you thought, ah, it's Kochiva Yadi. It's my strength. It's my ability. It's my tanks and my missiles. It's my brilliant warfare that wins our wars. Hashem, sadly, we needed a wake-up call. If you look at the history of the Jewish people, I joked with my students when I was teaching in the girls' school that in the entire book, in the entire book of Isaiah. There's just one story that keeps on repeating itself. The Jewish people did good. They got good. The Jewish people rebelled, became arrogant, became fat. As the verse says, They became fat and they kicked against God. They were arrogant. Oh, you're successful. God, it's okay, you know. And people slacked off and God gives them another wake-up call. That is the whole story of Isaiah. If you look throughout the prophets, you'll see the similar thought, the similar process of how the Jewish people became arrogant again and needed to be humbled, became arrogant again and needed to be humbled. They thought, it's oh, we've got it all taken care of. It's okay, God. God, you can just step aside. We've got this. That is against every value in Judaism. Don't push God out. Bring God in. An arrogant person is pushing God out, pushing themselves up. It's me. It's all about me. My dear friends, let's realize that everything we have every day is a gift from Hashem. We don't know how long that gift will last for. It could be a day. It could be that today is the last day we'll have that gift of being able to walk, of being able to talk, of being able to hear, of being able to speak, of being able to see, to utilize it, to maximize it, and to appreciate that this is a gift from Hashem. It doesn't belong to us. And if we have this perspective constantly, then we'll never fall into the trap of arrogance. We'll never fall into the trap of thinking or believing that it's all ours. It's not. It's a gift that Hashem is giving us, and we should never, ever push Hashem away by elevating ourselves and making ourselves arrogant, people who do not really deserve the praise, but rather Hashem always deserves the praise.